Good morning, everyone. Welcome. It is good to uh, be together and to share this time of worship and fellowship with one another. And we welcome everyone uh, into our family today as we worship our Lord together. Uh, we welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us. We're glad that you're here and welcome you. And uh, hope God is going to bless you in a very special way. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you wouldn't mind to fill those out uh, so we could have a record of your attendance with us and then pass it down the aisle so others could uh, fill it out as well. If you look at your bulletin, uh, you will see that there are a lot of activities going on. And I won't hit on each of them, but I do want to emphasize just a few. Uh, first of all, thank you to the, the men's class for our uh, fellowship breakfast this morning. Uh, we do that once a month, and we are grateful for that. You did a great job, and thank you for uh, sharing that with us today. Uh, also, we have some things that are coming up very soon. Uh, beginning uh, um, on Tuesday, we will be hosting the Commodities Day, and uh, we're providing lunch this week, are we not? And do we need some more volunteers to help with that, Mary? We can use as many volunteers as we can get. Yeah, just to, just to be here would be a great a great thing to do on Tuesday. And uh, so, so if you're able to, to come and be a part of that, we would appreciate it. Also, on Friday and Saturday is our uh, Sureway fundraiser. Uh, we will be doing our barbecue at Sureway at Eastgate on Friday and Saturday. And uh, we could use your help in a couple of ways. We could use your help... First of all, by buying some tickets, buying some uh, some of the food that we're we are selling, and you can see Mike, and he can he can uh, take care of that for you. But most importantly, we want you to buy it, but we also want you to take uh, those tickets and sell them uh, because our pre-sales really is the bulk of what we get, and the money that we get from this uh, funds uh, most of our missions activities here at Community Baptist Church. So it's an important fundraiser. Um, so please see Mike and get some tickets to uh, to sell and uh, and turn those in as soon as you can because we need to have an idea. Also, we need some volunteers, especially during that middle time, like from 9:30 in the morning 
until noon or a little after. Um, uh, we need some volunteers to fill that slot. So if you have not signed up, there's a sign-up sheet at the table. Uh, you can volunteer, and we would certainly appreciate it. We, we, we could use your help. Uh, there's a Sandy Patty concert that's coming up on uh, October the 8th, and uh, we invite you to be a part of that. Many of us know and love Sandy's music, and, uh, and she is a wonderful singer and a wonderful person. That will be in Newburgh. And uh, if you would like to attend that, please see Kirk Haynes, and he'll be, he'll be getting tickets. And, and then also one other thing. We have the Kids Bash that's coming up on September the 23rd, and that's listed in your bulletin as well. So put that on your calendar and uh, bring your kids. If you have kids that you know uh, in your neighborhood, bring them or invite them to come, and it's a good, it's a good opportunity to take a night out and, uh, and to just have a time of fun and, and regroup with your, your spouse if you can. It's good to be here and to share this time together. And let me invite you now to stand if you're able and to uh, let's greet each other in the name of the Lord. Let's.
Today's scripture is from Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. Hear the word of the Lord. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to, to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the word of the Lord. He wants to know, do y'all want to stand while you sing Standing on the Promises? We can either stand on the promises or sit on the premises. <laughs> we'll let the choir stand. Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages they can praise Glory in the highs, I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my down children. There we go. Oh, we got some, got a guest. I like that. What is it? It's a who? It's a dragon. Wow. Hey, can I see that dragon? Can I see the dragon? Can I hold it? Watch this, look. Eh? 
need to eat. Before I get started, I'm going to do a commercial. A commercial? Okay. I've been learning something new. And the reason this is a commercial because I want to tell all these people about it, but I want to ask you guys a question. Do you know what this means? That's American Sign Language. What's your name? And I would say, my name is M-A-R-K. That's how people that are deaf can, can talk to people that can hear. Now, starting on the 27th of this month, where I work at Hugh Sandiford, we're going to be offering some adult American Sign Language classes. So if anyone is interested, it's on Tuesday nights from 4 to 5.30. And if you'd like to learn how to do sign language, it's a basic. It's nothing real hard. Just start out with ABCs. If you want to do ABCs, A, B, C, D, E. It's real simple. And also learn some phrases. Just come see me after church. End of commercial. I'm going to read your story. I saw a man in a coffee shop one morning being rude to the young woman who was helping him with his order. He was demanding and disrespectful. He said mean things to her, continuing to tell her to hurry up until she was almost in tears. Then I saw something wonderful happen. The rude man left the store, and the woman who was next in line talked to the young woman with words of comfort. When she paid for her coffee, she she gave the young woman an extra $10. Wow. This was something she didn't have to do, but something she wanted to do. (laughs) Then another, another thing happened. The man who followed the kind woman had seen the rude man's bad, bad behavior, and he also tried to comfort the young woman. When he paid for his coffee, he gave her an extra $20. This was something he didn't have to do either, but something he wanted to do. This is called grace, a, a gift freely given. Think of, it, think of it as being kind or kindness. The Bible teaches about God's grace. The grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all men. By God's grace, we live in a world of remarkable, beautiful, and each one of us is offered God's love. This love and kindness is God's choice, a gift freely given. This is grace. How can, we, how can we be anything but thankful for God's gifts so freely given? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you're so gracious to us, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the grace that you bestow upon us, Lord. We're so thankful for these children here today, Lord. And Lord, we ask that you bless each and every family represented here today, Lord. Lord, we also want to just thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died for our sins on the cross. These things we ask in his name. Amen.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to pay the price for our sins. According to your grace and mercy, forgive us where we have failed. Bless these tithes and offerings. Thank you, Lord, that your mercies are new every morning. Amen.
Beautiful. Thank you so much, choir. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to watch God work things out, and it's interesting to see how God works things out sometimes. Um, I, I texted Mark earlier this week as we were uh, planning out the worship service uh, to see if we could kind of change things around and add the song, the hymn, Amazing Grace, in our worship service. And he texted back and said, well, that's what the choir is singing. So God was way ahead of me on, on this service there. And we just heard the, the choir sing a beautiful rendition of Amazing Grace. Thank you, choir, and thank you, Heather. Um, and, yeah, and Mark, too. Uh, <laughs> and I would venture to say that that song is never sung, that it doesn't tug on the heartstrings of most of its, its listeners. Amazing Grace is always listed among the favorite hymns, and it, and it was written in the 8th, 18th century by John Newton, who spent most of his life on the sea. When he was a young man, he became the captain of his own ship, and that ship brought mostly Africans, African slaves, to the colonies to work on the plantations. Well, when he was back in England between voyages, he went to hear George Whitfield preach. And through that experience, he found faith in Jesus Christ. But of course, it is not enough to simply believe and to admire the teachings of Jesus. As Christians, we are also called to follow the way of Jesus. And in that vein, John Newton suddenly realized that his occupation as captain of a slave ship was not right. And so he quit his job, and he became a priest in, in the Church of England, serving the rest of his life as the rector of a small church in a little town called Olney. He wrote a number of hymns, which were printed in a collection of hymns called the Olney Hymns, and Amazing Grace was one of them. Its popularity is astounding. Back in the 1960s, Joan Baez sang it during one of her concerts, and she held her audience captive with tears literally running down the faces of so many people in the audience as she stood there on that bare stage in her bare feet, her hands by her side, quietly singing all of the verses of that beautiful hymn, Amazing Grace. For those who were there, it was a stunning moment. Even people who are not members of any church and those who do not profess any faith find something about this hymn touching. It is over 200 years old. It is uncompromisingly Christian in its language. It is evangelical in its message, reflecting John Newton's experience of being found by God. I once was lost, but now I'm found. And I wonder if that may be the clue as to why this hymn touches the hearts of so many people, all since for the past 200 years now. Because basically it explains to us what our relationship with God is all about. God has found us. You know, God is experienced in different ways in different religions. In some religions, God's majesty and sovereignty are emphasized. In other religions, it is God's righteousness that is emphasized. In still others, it is God's hiddenness and the mystery of God's being that are, that are emphasized. In all religions, it is God's love that is emphasized. But there is a distinctly Christian experience of God, and that is the sense of being found. It was Hugh Montefiore, a Jewish biblical scholar, who said that there is something in Christianity that is unique. He said that most of what Jesus taught was taught before by the prophets, especially his ethical teachings. And there's much of what we believe as Christians that is shared by people all over the world. In all religions, there are teachings that are universal. 
But there is this one affirmation that is unique, he said, and that is the proclamation that God seeks us and finds us. It was hinted at in Judaism and the latter prophets, he said, especially Ezekiel, where God is pictured as the shepherd who will come and save God's sheep himself. Ezekiel tells us that God will do this himself because the shepherds of the people have abandoned the sheep. And in the Old Testament, the shepherds are usually talking about the kings and the leaders of the people. In our times, the shepherds would be the president and members of Congress and other local and state and national leaders. Ezekiel tells us that that their shepherds, their leaders, had failed to do their job of shepherding the people. And so Ezekiel says that when that happens, the people are not dependent upon human leadership for moral guidance. For God himself will come to be with us and will guide us along to the path of righteousness. So the expectation is there from the very beginning in Judaism. That God himself in times of crisis will come and will save us. In every other religion, we have to go to God. In every other religion, God's holiness means that that we can't get close to God until we ourselves become holy. And so in every other religion, God is way, way up there and, and we're down here and some of us are way, way down here. And the job of the priests in all of those other religions is to mediate and to appease God through offerings of sacrifice so that God will like us and will be acceptable to God. But in Christianity, it's just the opposite. For you see, our faith tells us that that we don't have to find our way to God because God has found God's way to us. What is unique, Montefiore said, is that God seeks us and God finds us. This is why the classical prototypical Christian experience is, I have been found. I once was lost, but now I'm found. And nowhere is that proclaimed as clearly and as beautifully as the 15th chapter of Luke. The 15th chapter also contains that famous parable of the prodigal son, which we will not look at this week. Instead, we're going to think about the two parables that come just before it, especially the parable of the lost sheep. They begin with this introduction. The Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling saying, this fellow, speaking of Jesus, welcomes sinners and even eats with them. Now, in the eyes of the Pharisees, you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to do that if you're serious about being religion, religious. Uh, before Christianity, it was taught that, that God is up there and we are down here and the gap that separates us is our sin our behavior, doing bad things. And so in in the eyes of the Pharisees, if you're serious about bridging the gap between you and God, you don't do bad things. And if you're really serious about being religious, religious, like the scribes and the Pharisees were, then you don't even associate with people who do bad things. In fact, what you did... And I guess this is a characteristic of Pharisees in in every age. Instead of associating with them, you pointed them out. (laughs) You know? And you made sure that everybody else knew what they did. Knew that they were sinful people and you isolate them and, and and you label them. And even in our country, since 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 the time of the Puritans... And right up until today, especially with social media these days, public shaming has been a way that Pharisees point out that there are sinners amongst us. And I'm not one of them. (laughs) 
So the scribes and the Pharisees were grumbling, saying, This Jesus fellow welcomes sinners and even eats with them. And so Jesus told these parables in order to proclaim something new to these scribes and Pharisees. And what he was trying to say to them was that God doesn't wait for us to bridge the gap between us and God. No. God bridges that gap for us. God takes the initiative and comes to us. It is like this. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine and go after that one lost sheep until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it upon his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Just so, so, I tell you that there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Now, I, I doubt that the Pharisees objected so much to that last sentence about rejoicing in heaven over a sinner who repents. But what they did object to was that the shepherd went to the sinners first. That simply wasn't done. The shepherd sought out that lost sheep. And this shepherd even ate with the sinners. And that was worst of all. The scribes and Pharisees believed that when the Messiah comes, that Messiah would eat with the righteous people of the world in his kingdom. But this man, who some believe may be the Messiah, what's he doing? He's eating with sinners. And here's the message that we should receive from this. In Jesus Christ, we believe that God has come to us. In Jesus Christ, we believe that God seeks us and searches for us until God finds us and never, ever, ever gives up on anyone. General Robert E. Lee, at the end of the Civil War, said this about General Ulysses S. Grant. He just keeps coming. (laughs) And that's the way it is with God. God just keeps coming. God is relentless. God seeks after us. And it's not because we have repented that God comes to us. No. In fact, it is because God comes to us that we find the grace that brings us to repentance. That's what the Apostle Paul found out during his Damascus Road experience. Paul was literally knocked down and blinded by the presence of God who sought after him, who would not leave him alone. And then he was led to Damascus where a group of Christians ministered to him. This is how Paul described it to his protege, Timothy. He said, I am grateful to Christ Jesus who appoints me, even though I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, a man of violence. But I have received mercy. Then he said, the saying is sure and worthy of all acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Now the good news there is not that God saved sinners, but that God came into the world to save sinners. He didn't wait for sinners to shape up before He came. And and that very concept of that kind of grace was absolutely amazing to Paul. Paul called himself a Pharisee of Pharisees, which means that he believed that he could find his way to God by being good. But instead, he discovered that nothing he could do could bridge that gap between himself and God. And it wasn't for lack of trying. Oh, he tried. But he discovered that all of his efforts were for naught. But God came to him. And that is the gospel. 
That is the good news. Ever since Paul had his Damascus Road experience, that message has enabled Christians to understand what has happened to them, to us. It has given us the words that we need to express what God has done in our lives. And you know what? This can happen to you as well. Especially if you are afraid that you are wandering around out there lost. Especially if you're afraid that you're not worthy of God's attention or God's love. God wouldn't pay any attention to me. God, that would, that would never happen to me. That's exactly when God wants you the most. There's a wonderful story about Maya Angelou. Until her death not long ago, Maya was an active member of the Glide Memorial United Methodist Church in San Francisco. But she wrote that, that years earlier, when she first came to San Francisco as a young woman, she became sophisticated. She said, that's what you're supposed to do when you go to San Francisco. You become sophisticated. And for that reason, she said that she became an agnostic She thought those two things went together, sophistication and agnosticism. And she said it it wasn't that she stopped believing in God, really. It, It was just that God no longer frequented the same neighborhoods that she did. Well, she was taking voice lessons at the time. And her teacher gave her an exercise where she was to read from a religious pamphlet. And the reading ended with the words... God loves me. Well, she finished reading the pamphlet, and she put the pamphlet down, but her teacher said, I want you to read that last sentence again. And so she picked it up and and read it again, this time kind of sarcastically, and then put it down again. But her teacher said, read it again. And so she read it again, and then she said, after about the seventh repetition, I began to sense that there might be some truth in that statement that there was a possibility that God really does love me. Maya Angelou. I suddenly began to cry at the grandness of it all. And I knew that if God loves me, I could do wonderful things. I could do great things. I could learn anything. I could achieve anything for what could stand against me if God is standing with me. You know what? There are a lot of people who are just like that. They think that it's unbelievable that God would know me. That God would love me. That God would know who I am. What my name is. Just the grandness of it all, as Maya says. That God would really love me. But that is our gospel. God seeks you until God finds you. Jürgen Moltmann is a famous German theologian. He was in the German army during World War II, but he was captured by the British and placed in a prisoner of war camp in Scotland. And it was there that God found him. It happened through two incidents. First was the reading of Scripture. The chaplain of the camp gave Bibles to all of the prisoners there, and Moltmann says that they they really wanted cigarettes, but they got Bibles instead. And so he read his Bible, he read the Psalms, and he said, I was dumbfounded. He was like Paul on the Damascus Road, dumbfounded and knocked down. He said, the words of the Psalms were the words of my own heart. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and listen to my cry. Do not hold your peace at my tears, for I am a stranger with you, a sojourner as my father is before me. And then he said he turned to the New Testament. He read about the crucifixion of Jesus. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he wrote, I knew with certainty that this was someone who understands me. 
I began to understand Christ because I realized that Christ understood me. And I began to summon up the courage to go on living. The second incident occurred when some Christians came to visit the camp. Paul was knocked down on the Damascus Road, dumbfounded, and then led to Damascus where Christians came to minister to him. And in the same way, after Jürgen Moltmann was dumbfounded by the grace of God that he found in the Scriptures, he was visited by Christians who asked to see these German prisoners. They were from Holland. And Moltmann said, I was afraid to go see them because I had fought in Holland. I was there at the Battle of the Arnheim Bridge. But these Dutch students said, that, said to the German prisoners, We are here because Christ has sent us. And we will tell you that without Christ, we wouldn't even be talking with you. And then they told them about the terror that the Gestapo inflicted upon them. And they told them about their homes being destroyed and about losing their Jewish friends. And, they said, and, and then they said this, They said, Christ has built a bridge from us to you, and we have come across to greet you. And now you can come across that bridge and confess your guilt and seek reconciliation with God and with us. And they did. They all embraced. And Moltmann said it was a richly blessed time. We were given what we did not deserve, and we received the fullness of Christ. Grace upon grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind. But now I see. My friends, we are about to observe the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. And it is a physical reminder to us of the fact that God has sought after us. And God has found us through Jesus Christ. It is a demonstration that God's love for us is so great that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Are you a lost sheep wandering around, separated from your shepherd today? Well, know this. God is looking for you. So why don't you meet God and experience God's grace at the table of the Lord today? It is in this place that God says, I love you. Welcome home. Amen. If our deacons can come and prepare for the Lord's Supper, we will share in this blessed event, an event where we celebrate the love of God demonstrated through His Son, Jesus Christ. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We have the bread and the fruit of the vine before us. We'd like to invite you to come forward from the rear, beginning in the rear, and come forward down the middle of the aisle. Take the bread and move to one side and dip it into the cup. And then eat the bread that is drenched with the juice representing the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. If for some reason you don't want to participate in this part of the service or this type of service, then you can just sit where you are. Or maybe you're not able to. And we'll have deacons that will come and serve you at your seat if you would like. And I will say this. Jesus ate with sinners. (laughs) And you know what? That means that no one is turned away from the table of the Lord. No one. All are welcome at God's table. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread and he broke it and he gave thanks. He said, this is my body which is broken for you.
take and eat it. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant. Take and drink this. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this blood, drink this this wine, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Come and share in the body and the blood of Christ the love that God has for you.
Don't you love God's love? Don't you love God's grace? Ain't it amazing? (laughs) It is. Let us sing together our closing hymn, The Nail-Scarred Hand. Let us stand together and sing together. Go out into the world in peace. Have courage to do what is right. Hold on to what is good. Return no one evil for evil. Give strength to those who are afraid. Support the weak. Help the suffering. Honor all people. Love and serve your Lord, rejoicing in the power of God's Holy Spirit. We are sent In Christ's name, thanks be to God. Amen. Don't forget, we've got to take up the chairs. Don't forget, we've got to take up the chairs, please.